Hello and welcome back to Tech Demand Weekly. This is episode four, so if you've missed any of the first three podcasts, you'll find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher to name a few. Please get in touch with any feedback you have on the show at our email address, podcast at tech-demand.com and don't forget to leave us a review on your favourite podcast app. After last week's episode with Joe Lazowskis about brand storytelling, I wanted to delve a little deeper into the subject, so I got in touch with Elise Dobson, who lives and works in Manchester, England. If you're selling t-shirts, don't tell a story about how your pet dog passed away and inspired you to start the company. That is much more interesting and sets that company apart, and as a consumer, you're already more invested because it puts you in that position that I want to experience this, so I want to try this company. Our company is the real Zendesk and here is why you should come to us rather than them. Elise Dobson is a freelance writer, blogger and ghostwriter specialising in marketing content. Having started out at the young age of 12, Elise's first work was on her own beauty blog before getting a job at a content marketing agency. After two years, she became a freelance writer and now helps marketing businesses attract and convert their audience through what she calls a compelling blog strategy. I started by simply asking, what makes for a great story? That is a tough question. (laughs) I think there's so many things that go into a good story, but the first one and the, the, the one that you really need to get right is relevancy. It sounds so obvious, but you need to think about how the story you're planning to tell will actually benefit the people you're targeting. So, for example, if you're selling T-shirts, don't tell a story about how your pet dog passed away and inspired you to start the company. It's a good story. Well, maybe not a good story, but it's a story, but it's not a relevant one and it could actually lose your credibility. So I always tell companies to tell stories they want to hear if they were in their customer's position. So, for example, if they were buying, uh, say, a barbecue or a new candle, they wouldn't want to know about that pet dog example. They'd want to hear something relevant to the business that you've got going on at the minute. Uh, But aside from that, I think personalization, as in telling different stories to different people based on their actions. So having a specific landing page for somebody that's gone through a certain process and telling them a story that relates to that somehow and also emotion so making your audience feel something rather than just listen to it are very important too so we had joe lazowskis on the podcast um a week or so ago um one of the things that he he loved talking about was how um star wars essentially the story of star wars um is such a compelling story but also shows has a bigger meaning to it Luke is essentially the the farm boy um, who's kind of lost and doesn't really know what he really wants to do. C-3PO and R2-D2 are, are you know, artificial intelligences. And he, and he goes on talking about something that, that we probably know in, in terms of our society as, as just being a fantastic film. And he talks about it in such a way that you kind of question yourself and go, have I watched that correctly all the time? Is it? Do you think it's kind of important to get your story across in a different way that makes an audience actually think about your product rather than just going, as you say, this is our product, here it is, this is what it does, um, and this is how we made it. Yes, definitely. So another example that I could use for this is say, I work with mainly marketing companies. So say I was working with a company that sold accounting software. Instead of just pushing things like we integrate with thousands of softwares, have a flexible billing platform, 
you won't remember stories like that because they're just another marketing company. You've got, they've got loads of software companies that can offer the same thing, but with a story that is relevant to you, your brand. So for that example, maybe a case study on how our flexible billing platform helped one startup grow to half a million dollars from year two to year three, despite the financial crisis. That is much more interesting and sets that company apart. And as a consumer, you're already more invested because it goes above and it puts you in that position that I want to experience this. So I want to try this company. With 41% of B2B content creators labeling becoming better storytellers as their top priority in 2018, just what is it about storytelling that will improve your marketing strategy? Memorability. I listened to your interview with Joe Lazoukas uh, last week, I think it was. And one thing he mentioned that I'd love to point out again is that it makes your brand more memorable, purely because people remember stories more. I actually saw one study that found stories were 22 times more memorable than just facts, which makes sense really because we're, we're invested in it. We want to know. We, we just as humans want to know stories. Um, but as well, it helps with relatability. Uh, companies are spending like millions of pounds or dollars if you're based in America on content marketing which is basically cash to make their words heard so the ones you choose are really powerful and if you can use ones with emotion and a story and a strong ethos behind what you're doing it's a lot more believable and a lot more relatable for whoever you're marketing to. So the one example I can think of where one of the adverts that we have in the UK shows Uh, or tells a story that you can actually see in front of you is for a a razor company at the moment where there's an advert of a guy going to a counter and um, he asks to purchase these razor blades he's told that they're 20 pounds but they come with free gift and that that free gift is a punch in the groin and then the guy from supposedly from the actual company then comes on the screen and says why would you pay 20 pounds when you can pay five pounds for our range it's only very very short a 30 second advert but you get the story straight away. Hey, one pack of razors, please. Comes to 1965. What? That's a lot. Yeah, I don't... Comes with a free gift. Oh, free gift? That's cool. (laughs) Tired of getting beat up by high razor prices? DollarShaveClub.com ships amazing razors for just a few bucks. One of the things that Joe Lazowskis talked about a little bit was uh, a couple of adverts that they have over in America. So he he talks about the Dollar Shave Club advert, another razor company. It it, it doesn't really feel like an advert. It's it's, um, just a a bloke going through a a, a one-shot story where he starts off in an office and he ends up walking through the, the entire building. And there's lots of little things going on in the background and it's all for comedy. But it's, it tells exactly the same story, which is that we only charge a dollar for our raises. Why are you paying £20 for you know a big brand name? So one of the things that I, I looked up was um, some research by Google in partnership with Matista and CEB, that 50% of B2B buyers are more likely to buy if they can connect emotionally with your brand. So is that what it's really all about, building trust between you and the prospect through that emotional connection? 
Definitely. When we talk about buying things online, the only, well, one of the major things that crops up is privacy. People want to know that businesses they're handing over their money to, whether it's, you know, a 50 grand car or just like a one pound ebook, they want to know that their bank card information, their address, their name, their emails aren't going to be sold to anybody else or used wrongly. I read another study that found 93% of consumers admit to reading online reviews. That's all centred around trust, but the hardest thing about collecting so-called reviews is the reliance that you have on your customers. So if you're only a small business, it's pretty hard to get those reviews if you don't have many customers willing to give one. You can incentivize people to do it. So say, we'll give you a discount code if you leave a review. But storytelling has the same end result, which is increased trust. So it can be wiser to head down that route first, get your story solid and strong, and then prove to people that you are a trustworthy brand and you can be trusted with this information. So you think actually storytelling is the, is the starting point before you head off into in, into the sort of the world of, of offers and, um, you know, click here and get free gifts or, or whatever it is. Storytelling is you know, actually the first place to start within your content marketing strategy. Definitely. You can hear more about what Joe Lazowski has had to say on last week's episode of Tech Demand Weekly. Just refresh your podcast provider and you'll find that episode with Joe Lazowski underneath this one. And now, back to Elise. We've all seen how the UK's Prime Minister, Theresa May, ridiculed for her recent trip to South Africa, where she was dancing um, with some local school children. New memes came available on social media really, really quickly and, and were constant for about a week or so. People quickly forgot about the real reason that she was actually there in South Africa and why she was even with those school children at the time. So how do you keep control of your story and ensure it remains in line with the rest of your marketing campaign? Going back to what I mentioned earlier about making them relevant, the Theresa May story and the other marketing campaigns that I've took off, but we can't really remember the brand behind it, they don't have relevant stories that attach them to the brand itself. So we, although we can all laugh about the Theresa May dancing video, because let's face it, it's a good laugh. <laughs> it's not relevant to her brand, so I wouldn't necessarily call it a good one. Relevancy is the only way to stop that branding element from being lost from your stories. So I found a really good example from Airbnb. This is Cam- Cam- Cambridge. Cambridge. Camden. 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 Camden Town. Camden Town. Coolest part of <laughs> Now you might think they're a huge global brand with millions of customers. It's pretty hard to find stories that will appeal to them all. But what they've done is created a section on their website called Stories from the Airbnb Community to house like stories from their customers that wouldn't have been possible without Airbnb being involved. Because I was very fit and had always worked really hard, I carried on until I literally drove myself into the ground and I got something called ME. ME, put it simply, is your hard drive's gone or you're working on an empty battery. And I carried on working, just feeling dreadful, until basically my body stopped. Emmy is incredibly isolating. You're on your own most of the day. You can't have conversations with people. You're 
usually lying in a dark room. I got to a stage where I thought, if this is always going to be so, what can I do? So there's things on there like, we found ourselves when we went on a trip to wherever. But because the stories they're publishing are third party, there's no bias in there. So because Airbnb and all their content team didn't write the review, their customer did, I think that says a lot and really helps with that trust element that we were just talking about. And what Airbnb has enabled me to do is contribute, meet people from all over the world who are on the whole really, really interesting. I can do things at my own pace. I can have people when I choose. I don't have to worry about the financial future. Being on my own and thinking, how on earth can I be with this? To a situation where people come to me and it gives me energy and it inspires me. I've discovered a whole creative side of me. There was a time in my life when I was so lonely that the wind would whistle through me. I thought, this is it. I'm never going to feel different from this. This will always be so. And this will always be so is the biggest hurdle to get over. Yeah. And I had that for many years. Yes. And I don't have that now. So they're basically almost taking like their TripAdvisor, um, you know, reviews and, and then saying, here's what other people had to say about our brand, um, rather than them turn around and say, this is what we think of us. Here's what other people think of us. And, and that's how they keep everything relevant and make sure that the, the campaign keeps itself together and stays strong for them. Yeah. In Elise's blog article, The Three-Step Guide to Storytelling and Content Marketing, she references Zendesk's fun marketing campaign that was based on another business stealing their name and starting a new company. I asked Elise to tell us a little bit more about that and whether it's about creating a brand perception that is appealing to the prospect. We do actually play that advert during Elise's answer and it does contain some fruity language, so just be warned. That Zendesk example is a three-minute video based on a story and the story is all about how another business used their name so when Zendesk were first starting they found another company using their name and they wanted to do something that would say no we like our company is the real Zendesk and here is why you should come to us rather than them Um, but that really helps to build a brand perception because that example is based on a story but they didn't just tell the story they just went above and beyond to create an entire campaign about it okay so how'd you guys get started me and roddy started the band in 94 in seattle called zendesk what kind of band are you guys well, we're fucking alternative, man. So uh, what's this album about? Email support. So now we have that perception of that brand as being lighthearted, not taking themselves too seriously, wanting to be a name in their industry. And I think that perception is important for any business, no matter what you're selling, even if you're a B2C business. So you want people to have a positive relationship with your brand, the products you sell and the ethos you have. And storytelling in a way like Zendesk did, it really helps to do that. Some guy stole our name for his computer company. What? What kind of company? They make customer support software. Benji, shut up. 
And because he shows up with a bunch of money, now I am doing a customer service concept album. The one thing that I found really good about that video by Zendesk was while I was watching it, I was questioning myself going, the story that they're telling, they're basically saying that um, the original name was was a band's name. Yeah. Um, and I actually found myself sort of going, is this actually true? Is this actually what happened? Um, rather than going, no, it's just a metaphor for what happened. And they've, they've just you know been really creative with it the fact that the guys that are that, that are playing the band one of them has a zendesk t-shirt on and so there's little subliminal sort of adverts in within the the three minute video for them and then the story that they're basically writing a song for zendesk for the company because they've basically been bought off i think was was really quite funny and I'd never heard of Zendesk before, and and yet now it's going to be something that, at least video content-wise, it's something that I've already shared with quite a few people. Yeah, and exactly. Whether or not they're going to actually need the uh, the products that Zendesk offer or the services Zendesk offer, um, it I suppose it doesn't really matter. The fact is, is that that video goes viral, and then eventually the right people that will buy their product will see it. Yeah, and I think going back to what you mentioned there was... Um, how it made you question whether it was real or not. That is a really good thing because you're involved in it. You want to know. And I think that's how they've really done well with it. You want to know. So you're obviously going to share it. You're obviously going to get involved. Oh, yeah. Customer I watched it and literally went, is this what actually happened? Was it a band? This is amazing. And But in a way, that must happen somewhere. So whether they've already known um, you know, about maybe a band that was already in existence, very, very small band, and then, I don't know, Fleetwood Mac comes along and steals their name or, or something like that, whether they already kind of knew that story and then just used it to their advantage um on the basis that they've got their own version of that story I, I don't know but I thought it was really really clever the, the way that they actually put that video together but the one thing that I will say about it is I, I still didn't really having watched that video I still wasn't particularly sure what the service was that Zendesk actually provides I mean I, I think maybe I'm used to watching adverts here in the UK or listening to radio adverts that that tell you exactly what the product is how much it is, what you can use it for, and why it would be beneficial for you to have that product over another. Yeah. I mean, with with the way that the Zendesk video is, where it doesn't really, I don't think anyway, it doesn't really tell you what their product is. Does that really matter? Or is it just about them really getting their name out there and getting the, the leads from that? From this example, I don't think too much because the story is all about the brand name. And if you're not sure... And if you're interested in that video, but you're not sure on who Zendesk are, you'll go and Google them, you'll go and find out who they are, and then that is how you get through their lead funnels and everything like that. So it's the video in itself is a call to action, essentially. So yeah, sort of I saying. suppose so, yeah.
So how, how can you back up your sources and provide proof of your research, like in years gone by, without slowing down your storytelling? I know that one of the things, when especially when I was at university, it always used to get pummeled into you. You've got to quote your source. You've got to put in the, the, the facts and the figures. How can you do that within storytelling while still remaining a bit like with Zendesk, you know, an, an emotionally appealing um, piece of content? I love this question. <laughs> I think statistics and concrete proof of whatever you're sharing uh, are necessary because it makes sure that what you're saying is correct. So sometimes I see brands push stories like our software company transformed this company. That's great, but how? What results did you get for them? Where did they start? What do you call a transformation? Without knowing them facts and stories and figures, it doesn't seem as believable to me. Um, and I think that's where storytelling and concrete proof really map over. I mentioned earlier about the software company. Imagine if they turned their statement on our software company transformed this company statement into a blog post, something like how one company grew their revenue by 25% in just three months, which had a step-by-step guide of everything the customer did, which also mentioned their software in there somehow. That's bound to give more of a wow factor. And because you've got the data from your client to fill in the number blanks, it's really easy to push in that data and that really concrete proof and prove that what you're saying is true without losing the storytelling element. So in a way, have I kind of got carried away a little bit in terms of thinking about the story has got to be like those previous examples, like with, with the Zendesk video, where it's got to be all fun and, uh, and exciting and vibrant. What you've just sort of said there about, you know, putting in the story of how we went from position A to position B that is a story in itself all you've got to then do is just make sure that your brand's name is in there so that people know who you're talking about so i've I've just got carried away a little bit haven't i no not really a lot of people do think that stories is just we started our company this way and everything about the company but if you push in stuff about how you help your customers i think that's more valuable as you can probably tell it's quite fun and interesting speaking to elise about the power of storytelling and what it can do for your brand but we'll take a short break now and we'll be back with elise shortly tech demand is a b2b platform who specialize in connecting organizations with their customers tech demand create unique and engaging specialist content which is evergreen for generating campaign success Visit the website tech-demand.com to discover how Tech Demand can help you. So the teams at Lookbook HQ and Butylink state that 51% of professionals spend their time managing information rather than acting upon it. They also claim that the internet is full with 60 hours of video being uploaded every minute. Looking at those figures, it seems impossible to get your story across to the people you want to hear it. So how does storytelling ensure it is possible? Have you got any examples? That is a good point because us as consumers are always being bombarded with content. There's everywhere you look, there's some kind of advertising, some kind of marketing, whether that's a a billboard, a radio, TV ad. As soon as you go on Facebook, there's something on there. But I also think it's important to put that into perspective. So millions of brands are advertising and you're likely to have hundreds, if not thousands of competitors. You shouldn't let that competition really put you off. But storytelling helps to take away some of that competition. Because if your story is unique, rememberable and related to your business, you can use it to your advantage for one reason. Nobody can tell your story like you can. 
because it's not their story, it's yours. So while another business might have a similar story, especially if it's around a common theme, like why they started their business, the beauty of storytelling is that it's unique. Everybody has stories to tell, and if brands aren't catching on to their own, their competitors will, and their story will become more prominent than yours. So so basically, just just you've you've got a story you just need to get it out there and and promote yourself through that side of things and and it will come and you will create the leads that you want to be able to make more money yeah So there's been a huge change in the way businesses have marketed themselves in about the last eight years. Um, What do you think the future of content marketing looks like? That is another tricky question. (laughs) I would say um, artificial intelligence, what everyone and their dog and their mum and their dad are talking about that, or some other type of machine learning software. But I think a few companies I work with already have that strategy in place. So I'd probably say a mixture of AI and personalization. So earlier in this podcast, I briefly talked about creating stories that are personalised. But I think a combination of personalisation with stories and AI, like targeting landing pages based off a blog post someone has read uh, or an email they opened and telling them a story based on the content of that email is where I'd put my money on the content marketing going The answer Elise gave there about AI is really interesting and led me on to thinking about the film Minority Report and how AI is used in the film to personalise adverts that Tom Cruise's character sees when walking through a shopping centre with retina scanners placed by every billboard and shop window. So maybe Elise isn't too far away in thinking AI is the next step for content marketing. You can find Elise through her website, elisedopson.co.uk, and make sure you check out her article on there called The Three-Step Guide to Storytelling and Content Marketing. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review and that you can contact the show by email at podcast.tech-demand.com. It would be really great to get your feedback on the show. Next week on Tech Demand Weekly, I'm revisiting the subject of repurposing content with content marketer and fellow podcaster, Nathan Isaacs. I hope to see you then. This is Tech Demand Weekly, and I'm Charles Commons. Thanks for tuning in.